There are no two moms alike. There are no two children alike. And uh, it's, it's kind of amazing to watch who God puts together. You know, if you go to a pet store, you get to pick out your dog or cat. But when you go to the hospital, to the maternity ward, whatever pops out, it's yours. You don't get like, okay, let's swap out with the lady next to me. You take it home. And the chemistry between a mother and her child is something that is unspeakable. It's, it's the closest thing we have to unconditional love in this world apart from God's unconditional love. I was in first grade and I wasn't a good kid. Well, I wasn't a bad kid, but I wasn't the best. And I remember one day in first grade, the teacher said this, Michael, if you can't behave yourself, you go sit out in the hall. It wasn't the first time it's ever happened to me, but I walked out in the hall But what I had forgotten was that's the day my mother was coming to eat lunch with me. And as I walked out of that hallway, I saw her walking toward me with my lunch. And I sat down on that little stool by the thing, and I'll never forget her reaction to me. She walked over, and she sat down next to me, and she never said a word about it. A couple years later, I was playing baseball in the front yard with my neighbor, fellow Charlie, throwing the baseball back and forth, and Mom was going to work. She was a telephone operator, and so she was going to work, and she, they, women wore mostly dresses in those days, and so she was walking across the sidewalk between Charlie and I, and I was a seven, eight-year-old kid, could whip a baseball pretty well, and so I thought to myself, I wonder how close I can get to my mother. And I threw that thing, and I mean it ricocheted off her shin. And terror filled my eyes and face and blood drained from my face. And I remember walking over with that 150-pound pocketbook. Now, I know it weighed less than that, but that's what it looked like to an 8-year-old kid. And she took that pocketbook and swung that thing like Babe Ruth and hit me upside the head, knocking me to the floor. I mean, it hit her shin. He was mad. So the next day, I didn't see her until the next day. She went to work that night. It was the worst night of my life. I remember the next day being in the kitchen. And I was over on one side. I, I was literally, I just remember as if I was yesterday with my head down and my, you know, just afraid to look at her. And people in the kitchen, the room, you know, and I finally looked up. And she was looking at me and she said this. She said, Michael, come here. And she smiled and hugged me. She said, I forgive you. Let's just forget about it. That's a mother. That's a mom. Unconditional love. We all have got the stories of what mom did to us when no, for us when no one was looking. I want to talk about a mother just briefly today who had an unwanted child. She got pregnant in a bad situation. Not all pregnancies are wanted. Not all pregnancies are planned for. This was bad. Real bad. Uh, Her name was Hagar. Uh, In Genesis chapter 16, it says this. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Now that's that's only a woman who wants to have a baby, can have a baby, or is not having a baby, can understand the emptiness in 
Sarah's heart? Well, she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Sarah said to Abram, this is a common practice of the day, although it was wrong, it was not of God, and yet women in this culture did this sort of thing. Uh, Sarah said to Abram, behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Isn't it interesting? She didn't say, I can't have children. She said, it's the Lord that stopped me from having children. In other words, the act that she was going to do, she blames it on God's inability to help her get pregnant. Interesting how we rationalize sin, isn't it? So Sarah said to Abram, behold, the Lord's prevented me. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. Abram, being the strong spiritual man, he did listen to the voice of Sarah. Now, gentlemen, I think 90% of the times we ought to listen to our wives. There's about 10% of the times you ought to say, no, I'm not listening to that. We're not doing that. This was in the 10% that Abram should have stood strong and said, no, God's promised he'll fulfill, but he didn't. So he listened to the voice of Sarah. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, which is always a beautiful description of sexual relations between husband and wife or two people in the Bible. It says he went into Hagar and she conceived. Now, right away, as a woman, if you can't have a baby and all of a sudden your husband has a baby with someone else, that tells you where the problem laid, didn't it? It wasn't with Abram, it was with Sarah. But let's go on to the story. And when, now, verse 4 is interesting because it says she several times. And you've got to identify who the she is. The she every time is Hagar, okay? I just, for the sake of time, I'll just tell you, the she is Hagar. And when she, Hagar, saw that she, Hagar, had conceived, she, Hagar, looked with contempt on her mistress. Don't lose the punch of this poor, young, Egyptian servant who had nothing to do with this, who was, it was forced upon her by a master that she could not say no, and a mistress she could not say no to. She was in a situation, a setting of society. It, you might as well call it rape. You might as well call it that strong of a word. And she got pregnant and she didn't like it. I never forget talking, not in this church, another church, where a, a friend came to me in the foyer of that church with tears in his eyes. I said, man, what's wrong? He said, my wife's pregnant and she doesn't want the baby. Comforted that poor guy. You know, that baby grew up to be the greatest blessing in that family. Many times it's the children we don't expect we're, we're, we're dreading and we didn't want and we didn't plan for that end up being the best. I, I'm going up to New York in a couple weeks to, to, to take Lorelei up to show her where I'm from. And I was going to visit Charlie Aker, an old friend of mine. I just realized or found out a month ago Charlie died. Hadn't seen him in 40 years. Wanted to see him. His sister died several years ago. There's one young sister of his, Amy, who was a child that was a baby was born when Charlie and I were teenagers, most likely that child was unexpected. Barb and Donnie Aker were very were much older in life. I don't think Amy was a surprise. She's the only child that Barb has now and has given her grandchildren. Uh, it's, it's, sometimes it's the ones you don't expect. 
So she looked at contempt at Sarah, and Sarah said to Abram, may the wrong be done to me on you. I gave my servant into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked at me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. Basically blames her husband. And by the way, I think she was right in blaming her husband because her husband should have said no. Got it? Now, now, now Sarah was wrong, but Abram wasn't being the man he should have been at that point. And so she wasn't wrong in saying it was his fault. So Abram said, look, basically take your servant and do what you want. So she tormented Hagar, pregnant, hormones change. I have no idea what that feels like, but you do who have been mothers. And all of a sudden she's getting tormented by Sarah in the house. Enough that I've got your husband's baby in, in my womb. Now you're giving me a hard time. This is a pressed down hard situation, is it not, for this young woman, Hagar. So she takes off. She runs out in the middle of a desert. Let's pick up the story down in verse 10. I'm sorry, verse 7. I love this. The angel of the Lord found her. Isn't that good, Mom? When the angel of the Lord in situations finds you. God finds us, doesn't he? He found her by a spring of water in the wilderness on the spring on the way to Shur. Shur is on the way down to Egypt. She's going home. She's going to find her family down in Egypt. Got it? She's going to go and take this baby that's not hers, and she's going to find somebody that loves her down in Egypt. She's on her way through a desert. Verse 8, and he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah. Notice the angel does not call Hagar the wife of Abram because God doesn't recognize that relationship. He still recognizes as the servant of Sarah. Where have you come from and where are you going? And that's just the big thought today. I want you to think about moms. Where have you been and where are you going? Got it? Now, I'm, I, I beat up the men on Father's Day, but I'm kind to the mothers on Mother's Day because I'm smart. So I'm not going to beat you up, but I do want to ask this question. Think about where you have been and where God has brought you to today. Some of you were told you'd never be mothers, and you became mothers. Some of you waited a long time, and God finally blessed you. Some of you got more children than you want. No, you don't have more children than you want. More children than you know what to do with. Some of you were excited when they were little, and now that they're teenagers, you're not sure you made the right decision. But God has been good to you, has he not? No greater blessing than the fruit of the womb. Where have you been, Mom? And where are you going? Where are you going? You have the greatest impact for your children. Are you going in the direction of Jesus Christ? Is he your life and your joy and your hope? You know, Nick shared that testimony about his mom, Jean Church. That's the testimony that speaks to your heart, doesn't it, Nick? You can have... Fellas like me spit all of ourselves up here and make fools of ourselves. What impacts us is you as your mom. Moms have incredible power and impact in the lives of their children spiritually. That's what it means to be a mom. Where are you going? If it's closer and running to Jesus, your children know it and see it and it means something to them. And that's what you will leave them. 
me finish the story and then we'll be done, okay? Angel says, return to your mistress and submit to her. That's a tall, tough order. I'm telling you, I wouldn't give that advice to someone who's being abused in a home. I wouldn't tell them to go home. But this angel of the Lord, which was probably the pre-incarnate Christ, told her, trust me, go back to that home, submit to the woman who has been abusing you. Verse 10, the angel of the Lord said, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. By the way, uh, Ishmael was the son. Ishmael is the father of the Arab people. The Arab people are well over half a billion people in this, on this planet today. Do you know that? Over half a billion Arabs spread throughout the whole world. God multiplied the Arab people. And then he says this in verse 11. Behold, you are pregnant and you're going to bear a son. You're going to name him Ishmael. Ishmael means the Lord hears. Because it says, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. Ishmael means God hears. Now I want to say something about the Arab people. And peoples in general. And people groups all over the world. There are no cursed people groups. If you think that God loves Israel more than the Arab people, you're wrong. If you think God loves any particular people group over any other people group, we are wrong in thinking that. Now it's true the Arab nation has been a barb in the side of Israel. That's a separate issue rather than the value of the Arab people. God has blessed Ishmael and blessed Hagar and this people group have multiplied and their love. By the way, 6% of Arabs are Christians. That's a low number, but it's a little higher than the average all over the world. Verse 12. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. Now, if you think that's an insult, it's not. The wild donkey was a compliment. That was a valued creature in this because he's rugged, he's independent, I mean, the old picture of, of, of you know, the, the farmer with the rope tied to the donkey and the donkey's sitting down and he's pulling on him and pulling them. They're stubborn, man. They're tough. They're wild. They're independent. You can't hardly tame a donkey. This is not a slam on the Arab people or to Ishmael. This is a compliment. This is highly valued in this culture. Notice the promise, everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. He'll be in the middle of everything and he'll be a fighter and a scrapper. And that's the Arab people, is it not? They're in the midst of all these other people and they've got to fight for their existence. When I was growing up, and I'll close with this illustration and thought. When I was growing up, I had a wide variety of musical interests. I love Caring Carpenter. I don't think anyone's ever sang like Caring Carpenter. But right along with that Karen Carpenter album back in the 70s, I had a Stevie Wonder album. I love Stevie Wonder. You don't put those two in the room together. They just kind of, musically, they don't match each other. And I love Johnny Cash. Elvis. Ah, Elvis. Forget Elvis. (laughs) Johnny Cash had a, uh, one of his songs was A Boy Named Sue. Remember A Boy Named Sue? 
And the explanation from the father after there was this big tussle at the end of the song was, look, I, had, I wasn't going to be there to raise you. I wasn't going to be there to toughen you up. So I gave you a name like Sue. So everywhere you go, you have to fight. Ishmael is like a boy named Sue. I'm going to put you in the middle of everybody, and I'm going to give you a disposition to match that so you can survive. I'm not quite sure how I crash land the ending on a Mother's Day gift after that illustration, but let me try. (laughs) Transitioning to moms, Hagar was a bad spot. This was an unwanted child in an unwanted situation asked to go back and live in a house that was tormenting to her. And yet God was still with her and blessed. I don't care what situation, moms, you find yourself in. God is always for you. He is always there. He is strengthening the work that he's doing in your home. 